Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson and to stage two of the Tour de Romandie 2021, a 165-kilometer long stage from La Nouvelle, Neuville, to Saint-Mier. It has, I think, ooh, five Category 2 climbs and it finishes with a Category 1, the Vue des Alpes, uh, which crests about 17 kilometres from the finish. It's 8 kilometres at 6.7%. There was over 3,300 metres of climbing. A very rolly stage, but unfortunately it precedes the true mountain stage and is after just a prologue, not a long time trial where significant differences might be had so it it looks like a breakaway stage benji but the way gc is set up made that difficult but who were the brave souls that went into the break today they were pretty strong riders yes we had uh quite in a few strong riders including a few uh previous grand tour winners in the breakaway first of which is uh Wanty, so a potential stage win for Wanty. We're so hyped for that one. Antoine Tolhook in the break as well. I think he is having his birthday today, 27. Uh, Bernsteiner is also in the breakaway. We know him from a uh, breakaway stage in the Giro last year. Davide Villela also in the breakaway. And we also have uh, Chris Hamilton for Sunweb and Caicedo for EF Education first. So all in all, a pretty strong breakaway when it comes to climbers. And these are... Pretty much all of them, except perhaps Tarame at this point in his career, riders that I could see fighting for a, a Giro stage win or something of those lines in the, in the future. We've seen them do that in the past as well, pretty much. So I uh, just wanted to uh, bring that up. But very roly parkour, like you mentioned, and that breakaway actually got a pretty considerable gap. But the problem there is that there's riders in there that quite simply uh, are a bit too close in GC with the likes of Chris Hamilton being on. 29 seconds going into this stage. I think we're going to have a quick discussion about that after the stage, uh, about why someone like uh, DSM does not, for example, uh, take more time in the previous stages to then send someone in the breakaway because with 29 seconds, people are going to control you. But anyway, we're going to discuss that after the stage discussion, I think. For now, that breakaway held on quite a long time, but in the peloton, we saw that Ineos was quite intrigued to keep that gap relatively low because, well, some riders in there had a, a limited gap and it kind of stayed around four or five minutes at a certain point and then it went down again and it went down to like one minute with roughly 50k to go. Yeah. And yeah. this is going into like the second last count of the day, Le Pontin. So from that point on, you're like, are they going to close it already? That might be a bit early because if you close the break too early, then you're going to see other opportunists trying to tag themselves. But Ineos made the decision to just before the Le Ponte climb with roughly 50k to go to drop the gas a bit and then offered the opportunity in the breakaway to see that the gap is expanding again with a small attack by Tarame that eventually led to him riding alone and the rest just dropping. And I think Tolhook was the first one to drop from that chasing group as well. But 
Taramir became the lone wolf at the moment at the front of the race. Now, the gap was opening up again because Ineos, like I mentioned, wasn't riding at their fullest again. And this went to 1 minute 30, 2 minutes, 2 minutes 20, and this is going into the final kilometer day. Did you at any point think that Tarame might actually have an opportunity here? I mean, he's good in Switzerland uh, in the past. He'll have like one crazy <laughs> week a year where he beats like the best GC riders in the world in a world tour stage race. But no, I didn't think so. I think he, I mean, he looks like he goes too early, but his breakaway companions looked cooked. So it's not like he had a choice. I think he realized if I don't, we have to go quicker. We're getting caught. Yeah. Uh, Ineos clearly wanted to bring Amador and ooh, who was it, Dool, with them over that second to last climb because they just had Ganna and Dunbar left for the last climb and then the three leaders. We'll get to that discussion in a second, Benji. Trying to protect three leaders, it's impossible. So they got them over that climb and then started to mow Tarame down in the valley. And apparently, they get to this final climb strong headwind um now they catch him on the climb rather but they when i say mowing him down they're eating into the gap and who was pacing on the climb after they caught tarame benji did Ineos kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and then attack started to come yeah but we also saw that gana was the rider that was taking up the front of the Ineos train at that point that's right making sure that Riders that do attack don't necessarily get a huge gap, but we saw some attacks because, well, the brainwave was caught and that gives opportunists an opportunity because that's where they get their name. And we saw attacks by the likes of an Elon von Wilder. We spoke about him yesterday as a potential top 10 GC rider here, very young rider and uh, looking forward to see what he becomes, can time trial as well. And he got a bit of a gap and I thought, okay, this is like a decent gap already, but we saw reactions after that. And I think we saw moves from the likes of uh, a Michael Woods in that group. And we saw an imminent reaction to Michael Woods by Sepp Gus. And when Sepp Gus attacks, your eyes go wide open and you're like, okay, this is it. Now, what does Ineos do to this? And they actually did what they always do. They kept very calm, just had Gana at the front pace it. And when Gana was done, it was decision-making time. Who do you go for? You've got Dennis, you've got... Port and you've got Thomas. We know that Port and Thomas are better climbers than Dennis on paper outside of the Stelvio stage last year. And yeah, how did they make the decision? They just put Dennis on the front. I don't know. Well, I don't know how they made the decision, Benji. I'm not in the Ineos <laughs> car yet. Coin flip. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I think Dennis just wants to do that. He seems to be happy to do that. I don't think... This is a strong indication, surely, that he's not in their Tour de France GC plans, which, I mean, I have a view on, but if he doesn't want to do it, and he's, I'd say, one of the best domestiques in the world in stage races, I'd struggle to think of another more complete uh, domestique at the moment in terms of flat and these long climbs, I mean, on something like Puy Marie, maybe not, but outstanding uh, for Dennis. And he just put it on probably his threshold or zone three and shut this whole race down. I think we saw over the top of the climb, Benji, who were the quick men that were still in the group? Because we were kind of surprised that there were so many quick men left. Sagan had been dropped at the base, but Colbrelli was there. I can't, who else was there? Was Ulysses there? 
Um, I am not sure that Ulysses was there. I didn't see him, at least. Uh, I know that here she was still in the group and that Costa was in his wheel at a certain point. So those two riders have a history of having a decent punch at the end of the stage. But if you've got to do it against Cobrelli, a rider that has a history of pure sprints as well next to his hilly sprints, then it's going to be tough. We also saw Patrick Bevan, I think, top three of yesterday. We spoke about him yesterday, also in the group. And I think those were the real notable names for the sprint here outside of that. There was some slight mention that Stewart was in this group, but I didn't believe that. And eventually it wasn't true in the end. So, yeah, I thought it was going to be between Colbrelli and Bevan. And to be honest, the attention in the group was looking towards that because Colbrelli was like, Bernsteiner, you got caught to the front of the group, mate. Start riding. And <laughs> Bernsteiner went straight into domestic duties. And he did that pretty much the same way that he did yesterday. Just control the tempo of the of the group after the climb was done and in the descent and well we really had no reactions anymore because like the people that from gc attacked on the climb they know that if they attack here they've got dennis now for any of us that is a domestique now so yeah are you gonna get away no and are you gonna get away on the descent probably not either so at that point it's kind of useless to still try something and it's better to wait till tomorrow i think and we saw that the rest of the stage was pretty much destined to go towards that sprint, slightly downhill, and a bit of a, well, not a sketchy last kilometer, but I think it was pretty straight, so no real dangerous marks there. But was it uh, Caruso that was starting the lead out for Corelli? Yeah, it was Caruso. I think Haig was protecting his own GC for Bahrain. And Dennis and Thomas actually tried a last-minute escape, Benji, like Froome, yeah, Thomas, right. Vodnar, Sagan style in the tour. Dennis Wright, it was hilarious. Uh, he was pulling what he probably was an easy tempo for him and Pernsteiner, poor guy, he's like 55 <laughs> kilos, was losing his wheel, second wheel. I don't know why Bahrain put him there. Honestly, he wasn't necessary. <laughs> Dennis was keeping it all together. And Dennis went clear, looked behind, and was like, uh. I better better stop. And then he did it. I think I don't know. I think at this point he might have been trying to split it, but they were basically trying to. He was babysitting Port and Thomas, and I don't even know if the three kilometer rule applies, Benji, because this isn't a sprint stage. Uh, and I know the three second bunch rule. You know, if you're distance at the finish in a sprint, you walk at the same time. I'm not sure if I doubt that applied too. So Dennis seemed to be pulling into the last 800 meters, just about, and he split it with. Uh, Thomas saw he got a gap and really accelerated, and um, but then came back again. I think Woods or ISU had to chase it down. It definitely was Woods. And then Caruso let out Cole Brelli on the middle of the road pretty much, got Bevan on his wheel, Kelderman fourth wheel for uh, Bora Hansgrower, and it was pretty straightforward. Cole Brelli opened it up with about 200, went to the left-hand side of the barriers, Bevan got his wheel on the wrong side of Colbrelli. He, like, it was pretty clear that Colbrelli was going to close that space to the left-hand side, most sprinters will, and Bevan shot his wheel up to the left-hand side. He then had to slow and then restart his sprint out of the slipstream to the right-hand side of Colbrelli. He's trying to come around him, but he seemed to run out of steam. He drew about level with his front wheel with Colbrelli's hip, but never really looked like coming around. Cole Brelli, who won his third World Tour race and like 25th professional win, first win this year and first World Tour level win for a while, I think. Um, he moved a bit to the right at the end. You'll see if you watch the footage, 
that's because the seam in the road, there's two seams. First, there was the middle seam that you're used to in Belgium, that the crevice of death in the middle of the road. And then this second seam started like in the last 15, 10 metres to the sort of left third of the road and Colbrelli like jerks his bike to the right-hand side of it. That's the, that's how I look at it and that's what I think happened, his little movement at the end. But uh, any big learnings from this this stage, Benji? Uh, well, any riders? I, finally, uh, I think yeah. I finally learned what a seam is. I didn't know that. Uh, I'm curious what they call the men that put that into the road. But anyway, I think um, <laughs> all in all, uh, a rather disappointing stage can i say that i think that i hoped for more looking at the profile beforehand and we wanted a hitchy attack yeah we wanted something okay and we had attacks <laughs> but it wasn't what we expected because well <laughs> people are gonna say that ineos is smoking the race by pacing like that on the final climb trying to keep it together but would be stupid if they didn't like this yeah, is the ideal way to win this race for them. Just <laughs> ride like this the entire Tour de Romandie yeah. on the climb tomorrow. Same thing. And it's going to be a fun ride, I guess. One, two, three on the podium. Okay. Uh, the end of Tour de Romandie. We're done. <laughs> like, what, what do we expect? They come to these races you, with a godlike star list compared to other teams who are here with one leader and then domestiques that aren't necessarily close to the strength of the likes of Dennis and a second leader like Thomas and, and our board. So I don't know, like it's it's genuinely uh, such a difference in in team width in this race that it would not surprise me at all that they have the top three at the end of this Tour de Romani. And if they do, then it's not an indicator necessarily for the likes of a Tour de France or something because, well, this does not give them anything of an extra lead on the likes of Pogacar and, and Roglic who are beating top riders in the races they ride. Not saying that the riders that are competing with any of us here are not top riders, but they're significantly less capable of winning the Tour de France. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Like what learnings? I think the TT, I think it's, it's good for them, you know, the chemistry, getting the roles right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to use Duel and Amador in this order, then Ghana can do a pull here and sort that out. It is good for them, but yeah, in terms of like, oh my god, well, uh, Pagacha won Torreno, Roglic won Basque Country, and Thomas won Romandy. That means they're all on like level footing. Like, no, <laughs> it's not the way we should look at this. Um, but I don't know. I would have liked them to maybe. Nah, I can't criticize what they did. It's exactly the correct <laughs> strategy. Uh, there's nothing else to say, really. I should read out the full results before we get into the preview of next stage. Colbrelli, Bevan, he or she, Champoussin, fourth. He Marseillais, he won Benji from a sprint. Champoussin, uh, he won. Patapanta, Jesus, that's criminal, confusing the two. Two Frenchmen. <laughs> All French uh, people are the same. Lantern 2021. <laughs> fifth. Kelderman sixth. Van Wilder seventh. Masnada eighth. Kloster ninth. And Solaire tenth. So not exactly the deepest group at the finish. Do you think Peter Sagan will be having regrets, Benji, for not trying on the climb? Or do you think it was too long? Hmm. Well, said it was really strong headwind. Yeah, he couldn't believe he got over it. Yeah, kind of true. I don't know. I think it's on the edge. I think that he probably won't 
mind too much that he didn't try because he's got so many wins in, in his career already. But like, if he pushed on, it could have been really close. And with the descent afterwards, he could have gotten back because, well, Bernsteiner was leading the descent. And while <laughs> Bernsteiner is decent in descent, he's not going to go all out. He's going to try and yeah. keep it together. Um, I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. Um, outside well, of that, speaking I think, of again. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Tomorrow. Uh, looks like a stage. He's got his name on. Uh, from Estevaya to Estevaya, 169Ks. I think not too much extended climbing. They do a circuit. Again, three laps of this Estevaya circuit. With It's very similar to stage one with two climbs put together that they repeat, not at the finish Chable, 1.8 Ks, 6.1%. Le Grange, 7.5% for 2.5 Ks. Between that, those climbs is 30 kilometers or 28 kilometers of flat. The crest of the last climb is with 9 Ks. It's so similar to um, stage one, except that it's slightly closer to the finish and it's all gradual downhill to the finish. I don't know the wind conditions, but surely Sagan is the favorite again tomorrow benji i think so as well i think that we're gonna see a three uh three-man sprint here with sagan called brilliant bevan and yeah i don't really see something else happening it's like i think that in regards to stage one yes not stage zero <laughs> this is so difficult <laughs> the stage comparisons yeah. with the prologue at the start i hate it but um i think the climbs are indeed very similar i think that the first one is a bit easier and my question is now nah, i was going to ask the question can can viviani hang on but i think he's he's fucked mate for this but yeah well i'd like it depends on the wind conditions you know i'd love to see quick step and when i say love to see if it's possible they will try on oh, yeah. that descent they tried their best in the face of seemingly an impossible finish for anything but a bunch sprint in stage one and I think they might try something tomorrow. That's the only avenue I see. Uh, the, again, break going to get collared because it's so close. Bike Exchange will ride for Dion Smith, so they'll collar the break. If in, Ineos will probably keep it three, five minutes all day. They'll keep it in check, and then they'll wait for Bike Exchange, EF for Court, Bora for Sagan to then bring it to a – you know, 30 seconds a minute before the last climbs and then reduce bunch sprint, I'd expect, as Benji said. Um, and, yes, again, it's got to be – I think he's. I think he can be dropped, Benji. If the wind is not a headwind, I think he still can be dropped on that climb. 2.5K, 7.5%. He has been climbing better than, say, even Catalonia or uh, the race he did before that. But I think it's possible <laughs> if a team really takes it up. To drop him yeah. like Movistar did on uh, in mm. Catalonia on stage one, but they'll have to really commit a lot of resources to it and then keep it going in the ten k's to the finish. Uh, but before we get to our discussion of what Benji and I would have done differently if we were DS of some of these teams, just want to mention Lacole, our sponsor. Bit of a mid roll read, just because I was looking through their website and they brought out some new kits for the change of season in Europe, some summer-style jerseys. So they've got their pro-air jersey for the hot days, 
in the mountains. They've got a Stelvio-style jersey, which looks very nice. I must say we've got the Giro just coming up. You'll hear more about an announcement, uh, a new release from Lacole, probably in the Giro preview show. You can also now buy the Drops Lacole replica or race kit as well, if you like that kit. Probably the best kit in the female peloton, in my non-biased opinion. But my question, Benji, was if you're the DS of DSM and you have Hamilton in your team and Aronsman, do you tell them or, or another similar rider who is not a threat on GC but they can climb okay, do you tell them lose time deliberately on stage one? Yeah, because I think their current strategy is a bit counterproductive because, well, let's say you start a, a, f- a six-day stage race. And if you plan it out from beforehand that you say, okay, on the time trial, these two people are going to be free elements through the race. They're going to be focusing on breakaways. Then those people can just rest up in the time trial and take time. They shouldn't be riding at their best. They shouldn't end up within 30 seconds of the winner of a a prologue, in my opinion. And they did that with both of the riders, I think, that they put into the breakaway the last two days, which was Hamilton and Adensmann. And... While Adensmann and Hamilton are decent climbers and could potentially end up in the top 20 of this GC in Romandy, question is, is that worth it if you want to try and go in the breakaway anyway? I think not, because Elon von Wilder seems to be the perfect candidate as leader of their team here, and he should get the focus for that. And if that is the case, then those other two are better off knowing from beforehand it's best to take time on stage that you're not going to breakaway. Because in those stages, well... You're gaining time in G- you're you're losing time in GC. You're gaining seconds behind deficit in GC, which means that the moment you go in the breakaway, let's hope, let's say that Chris Hamilton today, for example, goes into the breakaway and he is already five minutes behind. And let's say the other people in the breakaway with him are also on a, a similar gap. That breakaway is not going to get too much care from any of us because they're like, yeah, they're on five minutes. We weren't going to go for the stage anyway, so. We might as well just let them go and have them at five minutes throughout the entire stage. If someone else wants to take on the chasing and the peloton, they can. One, this better is a position of DSM, I think, because if they're going in the breakaway, then they've got more of an opportunity of actually succeeding with the breakaway. And this also betters indirectly the position of Ineos because they don't need to do that much work. But that shouldn't really matter for DSM themselves. But what I also think is that the problem here is that the stage profiles of Romandy have it so that the first few stages can't have too many gaps, meaning that most of the peloton is relatively close in GC, except for like Froome and Viviani. And this means that it's hard to have a breakaway where not one rider is close. Like today, Hamilton wasn't the only one that was close in GC. And if that's the case, then they're going to chase the other people in that group. So I don't know. It's a bit of a, a double situation because of the parkour of Romandy here. Well, Benji and I were congratulating Lutschenko on thinking he was a chance for the break <laughs> yesterday because he lost 10 minutes. Apparently, he's unwell. Uh, but we thought, we think that is a good strategy just because the way they have assembled the parkour and sequenced the stage profiles means that you're not going to have a time gap before a stage which suits a breakaway. And a stage that suits a breakaway, remember, is a stage where there is a dominant GC team already, Ineos. And there is nothing to be gained from their GC team in terms of moving up GC on the stage. 
Ineos today's stage and also where it's not clear that the sprint stage that the sprinters teams can win either not that we really have any here but even if we did even if we had Yumbo with a fully stacked lead out for Gronewegen or Pete Kittle or whatever they're probably not getting over that final climb if a team actually goes hard on it and that's why it's perfect that's how you figure out is this more likely to be a breakaway style stage? And I'll read out some names of riders that will not come in the top five on GC. They'll probably embarrass me now, but Gorka Izagiri, um, Aronsman, Van Garen, Reichenbach, O'Connor, Badilati, Cataneo, Cataldo, Patelli, Skelmose Jensen, Jose Harada. I could go on and on and on. There are many names of riders who will not come to the top five on GC. Top 10 in the Tour de France on GC, that's an achievement worth fighting for. Sorry, but eighth at this Romandie, like, I don't know what their sponsors are going to, what, say that's a great tick on the exposure KPI thing. Like, come on, get out. Like, it's not worth anything. And I would, if I was a DS, I would have told, if I was the DS of any of those riders, I would like you to lose 10 minutes on stage one. Just take it easy. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. What? They should just DNF in the prologue because according to the rules of the UCI... But then they only get the last time. If you... Well, (laughs) yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's only a 40-second gap. (laughs) A lot of people probably don't know this, but if you DNF in an official prologue, so according to the specs that a prologue needs, I think it's under eight kilometers or something at the start of a race... (laughs) Well, you can DNF and you can still start the day after it. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Assuming they do that and they just don't even get the TT, they don't even bring the TT bike down to the stage (laughs) and they just DNF that. I want them to lose 10 minutes on the next stage. Honestly, Benji, I'm telling you, if there was a break with five guys all 12 minutes on GC, surely Ineos don't chase it down. Like, why would they? And what other teams are going to chase it down? What? Bahrain, who's sort of a – are they going to chase it you were down? We're in a break with they? Bernsteiner. So let's well, say Bernsteiner's yeah. on 10 minutes. <laughs> so, they wouldn't because they got Bernsteiner on 10 minutes. It just <laughs> – oh, it's something that you, you never see teams coordinate and do it. And it's like you're just – because it's sequenced in this way doesn't mean you have to just let this breakaway stage become a weird reduced bunch sprint. But I guess Bahrain got their dubski. Anyway, Benji, if it's called a prologue, I've got this theoretical question which we can end on. If that's a prologue, is the Champs-Élysées stage an epilogue, not stage 21? I, I literally made that joke on Twitter two days ago. I'm not even really? joking. Yes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I think that I agree with I don't, you. I don't, I don't use my Twitter. <laughs> so um, someone else that uses it that... for me because <laughs> I get too mad. <laughs> so that means we've got a prologue, yeah. nineteen stages, and an epilogue. But okay. let's say there's a rule that you can DNF the epilogue. How many riders would finish? <laughs> None. Okay. Maybe they just want to look around for us. Anyway, we're, we're off. <laughs> we're derailed here. We're going to end this, and uh, we'll see you with stage three tomorrow which is going to be the same sort of stage if we're honest it's going to be a weird reduced bunch sprint but that is what it it is what it is Jira soon we'll see you later ciao 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 